to episode 255 of the Spokesman Cycling Podcast. This show was released on Tuesday, 1st of September, 2020. The Spokesman Cycling Roundtable Podcast is brought to you by Jensen USA, where you'll always find a great selection of products at amazing prices with unparalleled customer service. For more information, just go to jensenusa.com slash the spokesman. Hey everybody, it's David from the Fredcast Cycling Podcast at www.thefredcast.com. I'm one of the hosts and producers of the Spokesman Cycling Roundtable Podcast. For show notes, links, and all sorts of other information, please visit our website at www.the-spokesmen.com. And now, here are the spokesmen. Canyon makes bicycles very nice bicycles. They're ridden in the Tour de France, but the German brand doesn't just make high-end road bikes. It also makes gravel bikes, mountain bikes, e-bikes, fat bikes and city bikes, and it also now makes cars. Sort of. I'm Carlton Reed, and today, 1st of September 2020, I've written an article for Forbes.com that explains how and why Canyon is getting into the car market. The concept electric car that's unveiled today is a lightweight, skinny, HPV, human-powered vehicle, that almost, but not quite, fits in the microcar class. The car has to be pedalled, and it's a cycle with a roof on, really. Now, as the author of Roads Are Not Built For Cars a book which explores how 1890s bicycle companies made the first cars and then morphed into automobile companies, I really enjoyed talking with Canyon because this is potentially a history-repeats-itself story. On today's Spokesman podcast, I chat remotely with Roman Arnold, the founder of Koblenz-based Canyon. But first up will be Canyon product manager Sebastian Wegele and Canyon UK marketing manager Jack Noy. All three guests and graphics for Canyon's concept car can be seen in the flesh on a half-hour video I've placed on YouTube. This audio version is longer than the video because I've also included bits where Sebastian and Jack talk about Canyon's new electric bikes. And Roman talks about these e-bikes and how Canyon has fared during the bike boom. Here first are Sebastian and Jack talking about Canyon's new e-bikes, including one festooned with fenders and luggage racks. It's Jack up first and then Sebastian, who's got a bit more of a German accent uh, because he's German, is uh, following him. We have had hybrid bikes, but they're quite performance focused. Um, and now we really wanted to blend the technology we learned from having World Tour teams racing bikes with real practicality for everyday everyday use. So, um, yeah, we will share today our thoughts and motivation why we want to contribute to maybe solutions uh, for an urban mobility. Um, we also want to share our thoughts about it. Um, then we want to quickly introduce you to uh, two products that are will be available beginning of next week and an idea that might be available later on. So now we start with a first product uh, that we will uh, launch uh, next week, uh, the light e-bike. 
So the objective was, as, as mentioned, to build a lightweight bike, but to not have any compromises. Um, so building a lightweight bike is quite easy because you can just easily get rid of all the features and then end up with a very lightweight bike, um, but it's not very practical and functional. Um, so we said we... I can't, I can't quite see that weight. It's very small. What's the weight? 17 kilograms. We do know that there are bicycles with 15 kilograms, but we have a powerful motor and we have the full functionality. And this is for us the, the very sweet spot um, between minimal assist, super lightweight bikes that are very close to normal bikes and the gap between then the high torque bikes that are more 24, 25 kilograms. We think with the 17 kilograms, we have something that still, we, we are able to carry it upstairs, downstairs. It rides like a normal bike, but you have also the e-bike experience of the strong push. Do you have any um, hurdles you have to go through when you send an electric bike through the post? Is there anything different? From sending an ordinary bike any, any regulations what's the there are regulations usually we send actually we send our normal bikes we send with the post in germany um normal uh um with the e-bikes there is it's a it's a weird situation as soon as the battery is installed it's not a battery it's more complicated to send a single battery than sending out an e-bike theoretically um because the big uh the the, the big uh providers they say, of course, if you have plenty of e-bikes on your truck and you have an accident, it will behave like you had a lot of batteries on, on it. And therefore, um, this is um, we always send this then with Spedition. Um, this has an, another advantage because if we send some, a, a normal bike in the, with as, the a package. Pole, as, with, as a package, we have to keep a certain form factor. So we have to pack it in box, a, a very small box, yeah. I would say. And with uh, with the expedition, I mean, you can have delivered a fridge, for example. So yeah. the so form factors are much, much more uh, flexible. And this is a, a, a benefit that we take. So, for example, we, we, we assemble the bike fully and we only take out the front wheel and the seat post. So it is more or less in five minutes, it's ready to ride. Um, because we have this this allowance with this position, we have different uh, different opportunities as well. Of course, at higher costs, um, but the customer, the, doesn't, the customer doesn't see the costs. Um, and yes, okay. it's like freight freight service, but the box is much bigger, and um, and it's just great. Like take the top off the box, and the mud guards even already attached and like protected. It's just slotting the front wheel in. So again, like if we're trying to bring people to to cycling um everything needs to be easy not just the riding experience but also the purchasing and assembly experience um and yeah in some ways as Sebastian said the batteries are a nuisance but in other ways they open open doors for us cool um let's um let's get into the next one which again is it's an, this is an established mobility user case um someone that needs that versatility to maybe tow something, maybe to ride a little further, maybe to add another layer of practicality in terms of uh, carrying capability. Um, so yeah, high torques, this means with a with a powerful motor um, and, and yeah, plenty of practical features. Um, so proceed on, the city is yours. Um, so proceed on is, is a new bike for us. We've never made a proceed or a proceed on in the past. The bike has a carbon frame, 
um, and I think looks fantastic, um, but also, yeah, plenty of uh, practical features. Yeah, as, as said, I mean, this is coming from the community, which is 100% functional. This is just adding on everything. I mean, you have more, more than required, more or less, right? You have 85 Newton meters, uh, a motor that is strong enough to push a mountain bike up the steepest climb, have it in the in, in this urban bike. Um, you have the trailer mount, uh, you have a light with high beam to really have the best visibility um, and uh, racket mod guards. And all of these features integrated into this iconic silhouette, um, which is more or less the successor of our uh, very first urban bike, where we also had the approach to integrate everything and have a very clean silhouette. You remember that one, Carlton, I think it's 2015, 2014, with the, that top tube that blended into the stem and the light integrated yeah. into the stem as well. So yeah, that's the DNA kind of passing through into this bike. So um, as I said, it's, it's good to have all the features and have a most enjoyable riding experience um, and also the flexibility. So compared to a cargo bike where you always have your, you always have the uh, station wagon and the big trunk, you can easily adjust to whatever you're up uh, that specific day. So if you take your children to the park or to the kindergarten, uh, you, you attach the trailer. If you're just heading for lunch uh, to the city center um, or to the office, then you have a normal bike. So you're very flexible and cover multiple scenarios. On the top spec, we have combined the Bosch Performance CX high torque motor with um, the Enviolo automatic shifting and the Gates belt drive, um, which means that uh, we have found more or less the perfect match between uh, high torque and low maintenance. Um, with the new 85 Newton meters uh, update, you have more than sufficient torque to really pull off a trailer, even in a, in, in a climb um, from zero. Um, and with the, with the belt, um, it's, I mean, the car and the bike is there standing outside for 23 hours a day. So if it's raining, you have actually no wear on a belt. So this is for us the big advantage. Um, these are the features. So you see multiple luggage uh, solutions. You will, can install a front rack where you can uh, put your uh, handbag or you can put your um, beers, beers um, or when you go to the bakery in the morning at the croissants, um, you can pull the trailer and we have. Are they, are they proprietary or are they, are they uh, third party? Our design, yeah. 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 yeah the, the rear rack is, is a, is integrated with the fenders. So that's also, I guess ours, but the the pannier compatibility is the Ortley quick like quick lever, is it? Quick lock, quick uh, lock, two point one. So so it's very really easy to to attach the Ortley backs and to take them off. But we think that also um, the 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 other is what well, I think the benchmark product when it comes to cycling bags. But if we if we talk to people. They don't necessarily want to have a cycling bag uh, as their bag, right? Um, so sometimes it's easier for grocery shopping to just to use your, uh, your your normal bag, or you have a rucksack, or you have your office bag, um, and therefore we did these these baskets that you can attach in this very same interface, 
and then you can just put in whatever you like, right? You can put in your yoga your yoga mat, uh, uh, or you can put in your um, <laughs> so everything. And it's think, we think that's quite convenient. Um, so we have these three different approaches when it comes to, to luggage. Then, as I said, the, the light quite important um, and comfort. So we also have this. BCLS. Uh, you, you know the seat post from before Carlton, the leaf sprung canyon seat posts. Um, it was originally uh-huh. developed with Ergon um, as, I guess, kind of like a, a partner of ours due to the family connection. Great. And then I know we went through these at the beginning, but now we're on to the final uh, user scenario, which hasn't been covered yet. So <laughs> um, this is where we we are concepting. So. Um, I guess it's a first. It's a first kind of pitch of bringing this idea um, out into the open for feedback, and then from here, um, taking, the next, taking the next steps to to making it making it a reality. Um, so yeah, pure concept. We think there's a gap between the car and the bicycles, and we want to bridge this gap somehow. Um, so first of all, there's a, a gap in the two different speeds and the two different infrastructures. Very much depending, and I, I do fully understand it's not 100% um, applicable to UK, um, but in most of European countries, you do have the two infrastructures and it looks like you always have different capacity left in the two infrastructures. Yeah. So when you ride from, this, from the suburb towards the inner city, most of the time there is a fair chance that the streets are still um, not blocked so you can ride there and do so like commuting businesses. from like suburbia into a city um, the first part of your trip maybe not so much these days but <laughs> the first part of your trip is is hopefully fairly free-flowing um, B roads or, or single lane A roads um, but then of course <clears throat> there reaches a point as you get to the center where congestion is is too much. Um, so, yeah. And then most of the time, there's the bicycle infrastructure is not occupied uh, yet, and there's still capacity left. So you can just switch and move to the bike lane and continue there and operate the vehicle uh, as an e-bike. So this is the idea of the two modes. So you have 60 kilometers per hour. Um, you can be part of the traffic, not block the traffic when you are riding on the normal streets. And then you can switch to the e-bike mode and operate the vehicle on the cycling lane. Mm-hmm. The biggest reason in in this, in this survey, I think it was Kenzie that we, we read, was why don't you use the bicycle for your daily commute? Because it rains and then I get wet. <laughs> so we have to... You, you don't have a roof. Yeah. Exactly. We have to uh, we have to provide full weather protection, um, and therefore we have this closed capsule concept. Um, so whenever it's rain, it's, it's raining. You're fully protected uh, in your capsule, and you're safe and dry inside. Um, but when the sun is shining, uh, you want to have this bicycle feeling, which is the air blowing through your hair. Um, you can hear the birds singing <laughs> and smell the bakery next door. Um, so the open the open mode is then um, both giving you this, this cycling experience um, and everything that is nice about cycling, 
um, but also um, solving the heat management issue because then you have the wind going in and it's not that you're locked in this capsule and it's heating up and heating up and you're getting bored you know, in the greenhouse. Yeah. So this is this is this is the micro car segment. This is gonna, that's what it's called a micro car. It is yeah light electric vehicles, but it's as we have this dual mode, and I think this is for a lot of infrastructures. This is the best concept because you can use both infrastructures. Um, so it's really bridging the gap between the, the bicycle and the car. Because we have these, these light electric vehicles like Renault Twizy, and this is actually the legal um, the, the, the legal um, category that we are in there in this 60 kilometer per hour mode. But well, it doesn't change anything to good if you're stuck in the same traffic, just sitting in a smaller vehicle there, right? So the dimensions of this we get to then. They're built around uh, or within existing cargo bike dimensions, which we're aware, again, like probably not so much for London, or, or the UK is quite a unique um, uh, case, but for a lot of Europe, cycle lanes are relatively wide and cargo bikes seem to operate just fine. And, um, and it does seem that when cities are considering new bike lanes, they are thinking about cargo bikes that, that they, sh- you know, they should be able to work there. So is this narrower than the Twizy? Yeah, it's 80 centimetres only, between 70 and 90 centimetres wide, I would say. And I think there are in some countries there are regulations where it cannot be wider than one metre. Um, so design, I think uh, both for a product and the concept, uh, very important because um, it helps you to generate acceptance. Um, exactly. I always bring in the example of the Renault Twizy. I really like the Renault Twizy. I'm really a big fan of the Renault Twizy. But uh, a lot of people think it look it looks awkward. Or the the BMW C1, which was the the scooter with the with the roof, um, and this leads to a, a lack of acceptance to really check out this concept and idea in a more detailed level. And therefore, we think that especially with concepts, we have to go all in with the design. Um, but also with with our products. But it is not only about having a very attractive product, but also already considering um, aspects like uh, easy to produce, um, easy assembly from the very beginning. So you see there also with the capsule concept, it could be injection molded, um, carbon fiber reinforced plastics, and then you have two big tools um, uh, to produce the the main parts of the of the vehicle already. Do you see this as mail order still? Do you see this as you send this in the post, or is this you'd have to have a dealer network? We don't think that we have to have a dealer network because we think we we're facing more or less the same challenges in our service concept. We we do see a trend to um, service partners, either bike shops or mobile service partners, uh, not only to solve these specific. Uh, challenges, but also to solve um, the service challenges on all of our bikes, right? Um, and also design-wise, we focus already on uh, um, low maintenance. You see, it's still pedal-operated, so you you're pedaling in which whichever mode you are. But due to um, uh, due to packaging reasons and also maintenance reasons, we don't have a mechanical drive-through from the from the pedals. To the motor but it is um, electric so you're pedaling into a generator to either when you're in the car mode um, generate a signal that is 
uh, reinforced with the energy from the battery to go 60 kilometers per hour, or in the pedelec mode up to 25 kilometers, also adding uh, additional power from the from the battery. But if you want to go faster and you paddle pedal hard enough, then you generate so much energy that you can go faster than 25 kilometers per hour, and you just have a wire and no wear at all um, in this in this drive train. No mechanical tension, <laughs> just uh, just electric. And then I don't know if we if it gets to it, but there's like energy that energy recovery yeah. as well. I think a cool point and important. Um, so you know how fast recumbent bikes can go downhill, Carlton. Um, <laughs> this is limited to sixty, but with a decent hill, it's a hundred percent something that's aerodynamic with this minimal, you know, frontal area could go pretty fast. So the idea would be to have like a curve system in place, which limits the speed to 60 and while you're doing that, um, also re, um, recharge the battery, um, like a, a dynamo situation. Yeah. So this is like, it's a, it's a cross between a micro car and an H HTB. So the, the, the human powered vehicle, like the Mike Burroughs, of this world who've been you know championing them for a long time exactly and we're facing the the uh, the same challenges as an hpv uh, human powered vehicle um so you have the knees uh -huh. moving in the exact same area where you usually have the steering wheel right so uh, you have to uh -huh. come up with uh, alternative uh, solutions um and also getting in and getting off the car is uh, is a challenge um, so what we have here is you see um, the two the two seats, and when you open the roof, you can access the car um, like um, like a bathtub. It's exactly the same height, so it's there's a DIN norm in Europe for the height of a bathtub. We have a very similar height of the bathtub. Uh, on uh, in addition, you can put your hands here on the on the top, so it's easy to have the access when the capsule is fully open. Um, if you want to store something on the in the rear, either your child um, with a size up to one meter fifty or boxes, whatever, you can slide both seats to the front, and then the the rear seat is in exact the same position as the as the rider seat here in the picture, and you have access to the top um, very easily, and then you slide it back. And you can jump in the car. Um, the steering wheel, as I as mentioned, we 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 had to change the steering concept. So it's more it's now like a joystick uh, concept um, on like tank, tank steering on the left and the right side. So you have two sticks, uh, and you also operate the brakes uh, in this area. And then you you just snap in your smartphone in the middle um, as your uh, HMI um, to get all the information required and to operate the system. How many wheels? Four. Yeah. Four is the most stable um, option uh, also for cornering. And then you showed me before how the roof comes away. But when the roof is closed, how are you um, getting air into the rider to, to stop the sweat? There's like a grill um, in the front still. Um, and and then cabin vents. And the presumption is also that you close the cabin only if it's raining. Uh, some key facts. So it needs to be lightweight to be efficient, right? Um, so we're looking at uh, 95 kilograms. Uh, the form factor is um, 83 uh, centimeters wide, um, only a bit more than one meter uh, high. 
and 2 meter uh, 30 uh, long. Um, the range is 150 kilometers, not because we expect people to travel uh, ho on holidays um, with this vehicle, but um, to have a very convenient charging uh, cycle, so you don't have to charge every every day on a daily basis. And that's like combined range, so a mixture of 60 and uh, 25. So for sure, if you used it in 25, then you go a fair bit further than 150. But if you burnt around at 60 kilometers an hour, then uh, your range would, would drop a little bit as well. So, And possible price? We have to offer this bike, uh, this uh, this this uh, vehicle, um, somewhere between five and seven and a half thousand euros. Yeah. Which is then, if you look good. at the entry level cars, I would say it's you, Dacia and the small Volkswagen. They start at nine and a half, something like this. So you have an advantage. Uh, you have a cheaper price, and you're also your position in between a premium e-bike with the additional benefits of this concept and the car. The first cars were made by cyclists. So even Ben's, his car was 75% was, was from a, a tricycle shop in Frankfurt, in fact. So the wheels, the everything on there was, was from a bicycle shop. And then all of the capital, uh, the manufacturing technologies, uh, the people transferred directly from cycling into early motoring. So when I do this story on Forbes, it's going to be very much along the lines of, you know, this is, this is, there's a historical precedent here in that bicycle manufacturers have, have very often gone across and made cars. It's kind of, you know, something that the technologies are actually very similar. Even though we think of cars and bicycles as two different vehicles, they're very, very similar in many, many ways. Yeah, and it's just and it's, and we to be honest, we don't have any ambitions to go the next step and the next step and the next step and then end up building cars that we think might be a problem <laughs> in the current situation. This is what happened. So Rover, you know Rover, Land Rover, and that started as the Rover bicycle. So Rover bicycle company transformed itself into the Rover car company and then forgot its bicycle roots. Oh, definitely, and I think this is. This is this is the the change in the mindset that I mean we cannot solve the issues if we still stick to the most comfortable seat heating and air condition and the best Dolby surround system and as much leather as possible and big motors. Um, then we cannot we we have we have to make compromises in comfort. Um, but the good thing is, as we said in the beginning, we have also by making sacrifices in the comfort we will gain additional life quality by saving time, saving money, um, and having a better environment. And I think this is, I mean, if you start with this mindset, this is a difference. This is a different mindset than when the historic bicycle makers started making cars because this, they were changing something in their perspective to a positive thing, right? They said, okay, we can offer more comfort. Uh, it is... Um, it is it is an automobile, so you don't have to paddle anymore <laughs> uh, because now we have yes. a motor, right? You don't need a horse anymore. We have a motor now, so we add comfort, and we are in a situation where we can add a comfort and we can add a comfort. And now we have built so comfortable cars that all this comfort that we added throughout the, the last couple of decades, we're paying for it. Yeah, 
congestion, yeah. uh, pollution. Yeah. So we there's definitely no ambition from Canyon to be a part of the problem uh, on that side. It's definitely looking for a solution, I guess, using bikes as inspiration, but also recognizing that uh, the car is so accepted. So 100%, there needs to be some DNA of that. So, so two questions. First one, I'll be rude. Second one is a more of a serious question. So the, the first question is, um, Met, how serious are you at producing this and how much of this is a concept to, you know, it, it, it's an interesting thing, but you, you might not actually make this. So how confident are you of actually producing a commercial um, version of this? Well, um for us, it is very important to go with our ideas very early uh, to the public to get the feedback. So current stages, we have had all these ideas and brainstorming and things that go into this concept. And now we try to prove the concept. So first of all, we want to prove the design. Then we want to check the acceptance. Uh, I mean, if you are riding, moving such a vehicle in the car infrastructure, will it be a problem uh, or will it be accepted? How does it operate on on uh, bike lanes? And if we can check all these points, right, then of course, then the next step is to work on uh, on producing it. Uh, we definitely go now. We evaluate the, the performance with cargo bikes and similar vehicles that are somehow around to to to, to check the few the first points. We're working now on the on the first rideable prototype, not in the design, and it's only about the function, right? Um, this is the next step, and if if all the feedback is positive or the feedback is so we can still implement it. And this is also important if there's valuable feedback where people Changes say, uh, yeah, but this is a stupid idea. If it would be like this, then it would be more accepted that we can take all this feedback. Then the next step is uh, to work on an industrialization. of this. So my second question, and it, you've almost partly answered it there, sort of, is that um, you're both too young to remember this, but there's a product called the Sinclair C5. I have this. Where which, you bought it? Okay, it which, which a, a lot of ridicule. So it was, you know, Sir Clive Sinclair said, this is the revolution. It's going to revolution transport. It's this electric pedal device. It came out and then people fell over laughing. And he got the rest of his career, he was dogged by the ridicule he got for producing the C5. Are you ready for the same amount of ridicule? And how are you going to tackle it? Now everybody can laugh now. And if we see that everybody starts laughing, then we don't produce it. <laughs> but I think we may we avoided a few mistakes that they made on the Sinclair. With the Sinclair, you fell over every time you tried to move around the corner. Actually, the Sinclair doesn't address anything like weather protection because you get at least as wet as you get on a bicycle. <laughs> Maybe even wetter because you're sitting very close to the ground and whenever there's a car driving through, <laughs> uh, you, you get it not only from the top but also from the bottom. Um, but it was a so funny and impressive uh, thing that we actually, and it's hard to find them, we bought one. We bought, I think, two years ago, we bought one to also have a first evaluation of the form factor. And of course, the situation has not changed. If you're riding this through town, everybody starts laughing at you. You're a choke. I did say um, 
someone mentioned it earlier and uh and i was like no no i think they have one in the office we have one in the office and what is also what is also very funny that i think the perspective has also changed i mean bringing a sinclair today you would not end up with the same reactions because the mindset has already changed and this is something of course yeah there are issues with this concept of the c5 yeah 100% agree um but also the acceptance would just today it's a different situation it's not king of the king of mobility is the car and that's the holy grail no it has changed and we had nobody where we have it standing downstairs so there are journalists walking in and nobody break down laughing <laughs> so we have first reactions <laughs> yeah that's the, i mean but on the singular also they made i mean th- this is this is where we've learned a bit about how to focus on the on how to produce it right because that's exactly what they did they said very easy two shells um and things like that they had a huge investment in toolings of course because they have much more components and it's a quite complex uh complex vehicle overall still um um and also the the, the quality i mean it bends <laughs> everywhere <laughs> well he, he sold he sold 5000 yeah so they he made 14000 and he sold 5000 that's not bad it's not bad if your business case is to sell 5000 then everything is fine but if your yes. business case yeah. is to sell 50000 and you sell only 5000 then you're bankrupt and we are fully aware of that so that's that's also what i said i mean we if we we have, we have we have discussions with some um, automobile industry suppliers that are working on motors and things like that um for for types of vehicles in, in this category and they ask us what is your what's just a rough idea of a quantity that you could sell in the in the first year or the second year and, and we said well in a business to consumer um for end consumers not for for commercial applications because commercial applications they people do calculate differently we said one to two thousand units that's that's that is our business case uh not more than that yes um and because it's easy i mean you, you have if you if you if you talk to someone who is sourcing vehicles for uh commercial applications for example parcel deliveries or food deliveries right they they just calculate how much money I save with this vehicle and how much more attractive is it, it, it is compared to a scooter or a car. So that's a very um, rational aspect that dominate these decisions. Um, and it's totally different from end consumers. So, so right now, the, the, the form factor is quite small and there's not that much luggage space. You, you, you showed me like the way you put the child. But if this is going for, in effect, the cargo bike market, would you envisage having more storage in a later version? We have to evaluate this. I mean, it's also something that that changes maybe. Of course, you're not going to the supermarket and only once a week and you buy the stuff you need for the whole week uh, in once. Um, But I think this is also something which is is just just changing in in the behavior when it comes to sustainability, it doesn't make sense to to buy vegetables once a week and then throw away half of them because they uh, they obsolete. So you go on a more frequent basis. And if it's not an an issue, if you're have a have a mobility device that has it's easier to use, uh, easier to park, um, you 
it's also not a burden to go grocery shopping twice a week, for example. And we are, this is something we have to evaluate, of course, and we have to make our experience and uh, get different opinions on. And then we see here, um, maybe we maybe we add a trailer. <laughs> yeah, that might yes. get a bit, yes. bit challenging in the bike lanes, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, maybe a trailer is good. Um, or a little, um, rather, than a, a, rather than a roof, roof. box, yeah, roof rather box. than a roof box, a tail box, something like this. Yeah, yeah, Don't make it look awkward again. Yeah, true. <laughs> then you lose the proportions and the lines. Thanks to Sebastian Wegelay and Jack Noy from Canyon for the product run-throughs there. Next up will be Canyon's founder, Roman Arnold. But before that, here's my co-host David with a message from our show sponsor. Hey, Carlton, thanks so much. And it's it's always my pleasure to talk about our advertiser. This is a longtime loyal advertiser. You all know who I'm talking about. It's Jensen USA at jensenusa.com slash the spokesman. I've been telling you for years now, years, that Jensen is the place where you can get a great selection of every kind of product that you need for your cycling lifestyle at amazing prices. And what really sets them apart because, of course, there's lots of online retailers out there. But what really sets them apart is their unbelievable support. When you call and you've got a question about something, you'll end up talking to one of their gear advisors. And these are cyclists. I've been there. I've seen it. These are folks who, who ride their bikes to and from work. These are folks who ride at lunch, who go out on group rides after work because they just enjoy cycling so much. Uh, and, and so you know that when you call, you'll be talking to somebody who has knowledge of the products that you're calling about. If you're looking for a new bike, whether it's a mountain bike, a road bike, a gravel bike, a fat bike, what are you looking for? Go ahead and check them out. Jensen USA, they are the place where you will find everything you need for your cycling lifestyle. It's jensenusa.com slash the spokesman. We thank them so much for their support and we thank you for supporting Jensen USA. All right, Carlton, let's get back to the show. Thanks, David. And we are back with episode 255 of the Spokesman Cycling Podcast. Before the break, we heard from Sebastian Wegelay and Jack Noy of Canyon. And now, here's the firm's founder, Roman Arnold. I started by asking him about the bike boom. And we also talk about e-bikes and, of course, Canyon's concept electric car. This is a plan. Excellent. Well, I have been, as I've said, I have been to... To, to your factory uh, yeah. in Koblenz. So I did a, a story for uh, Bike Europe Daily on yeah. your plans for America. So that yeah. was back in 2017. So I, I came for that. So I'll, I'll actually finish on America, if that's okay. But I'd like to start with, with Bike Boom. So uh, how has Canyon coped with that have you coped with the extra demand that has come for a certain price level of bike? Yeah. So you're you're clearly higher than that that really popular price level. But how how have you coped with the bike boom? I, on one hand, uh, I feel a little bit ashamed uh, as a guy from the bike industry that I have to say there's something out like COVID. Uh, in the end, our industry benefited from it. Uh, but when COVID came out, we had different scenarios also in our company. 
of course, like everybody, we were super afraid. Uh, what will this make to our business? So we had certain plans uh, how the business could develop in, and most of the plans, uh, of course, was the business will be down. Uh, will it be down 10%, 20%, 30%, or even more? Uh, and we had one scenario that also was a tailwind scenario, and the tailwind scenario was something, could this give maybe another extra 10% uh, boom for us? Uh, and in the end, for us as a company and uh, for the whole industry, it came out that the boom were far more than 10%. So uh, we sold more bikes uh, than we planned, of course. So we have a quite uh, good year and we were able to uh, cope uh, this boom. But on the other hand, uh, we as most of the cycling industry are somehow limited because you know very well we have very long supply chains. So either you have a plan for the year and you execute this plan, there's not too much uh, room. So our business always was going very well. So also without COVID, we every year have a nice growth rate. So there was there were not too much room uh, for us, even if we always think about good growth. We only order a certain amount of bikes. So some of our bikes just were sold out earlier. Uh, it doesn't mean to us that we wouldn't have sold these bikes uh, anyway, but we also could see so far, yes, we sold more bikes and we sold more bikes in every area, uh, not only in the entrance level area, also uh, people because it seems to be they are more interested in cycling, in moving their body, doing some exercise, so also even road bikes, uh, first down, but then also accelerating. Mm -hmm. do, do you have a percentage of, of how much bigger you got because of COVID? I can tell you how much bigger the company got. <clears throat> uh, I think we have a growth rate this year, Simon, it's close to 30%, or some, something like this. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think it's a little bit over thirty percent. Uh, but actually, I have to say, also our growth before was planned something between twenty and twenty-five. So there's not too much room uh, extra for it. But of course, uh, some of the bikes we sold earlier, we we every month have coming bikes in, and what we saw in the very beginning that nearly in every country sales go down because nobody knows what does COVID mean to us and how long the lockdown will be, how long I have to stay at home, how what will it mean. And then one country after the other country recovered and even countries, I have to say, like Spain and Italy, were really, and France in the beginning, were really, really down after this strict uh, all of them were able to recover for us. And if you, yeah. So uh, you've, you've had electric bikes in your range for three years now, two years now. Uh, yes. How big a segment is electric bikes for you right now in percentage terms? It's still less than 10% for us. Uh, but uh, in the whole industry you know it's more around 50 percent so we also were able to grow our business in the past 
even if we didn't have a big offering uh, in electric bikes. But if you ask me, Roman, how big you plan electric bikes will be in the future for you, I can tell you it will be one of our biggest drivers uh, for the business. And we think it will be a much, much higher percentage uh, than today. Uh, but uh, we are not the kind of company uh, that you say, okay, Roman, everybody is asking for e-bikes. Oh, we should sell e-bikes. We can make some great money of it. We are more the company that I say, we think we have a certain positioning, we have a certain expectations to our bike. So we were somehow a little bit late uh, with e-bikes uh, in the beginning uh, because we are the kind of company 10 years ago who discussed uh, is e-bike pure cycling or not? And 10 years ago, we decided with the bigger motors and this, no, <laughs> uh, this is not uh, e-bike, this is not the kind of our positioning, but then getting the motor slider and the batteries with more reach that you can go for several hours out. Then we decided, I think, five or six years ago, yes, this is pure cycling. This is also a kind of way we think it is. And then we start the product. And I know you have a, a, a bike shop background um, and, and you are now with a company that has no bike shops. Uh, but do you ever see a future where there may be bike shops in Canyon's future? Maybe even your own bike shops, Canyon branded bike shops with the breadth of product you have. From me, in the very beginning, uh, so so what I say, Carlton, when I'm still not old, but uh, what I say, okay, if there's one legacy uh, I have in this industry, uh, I was uh, clear at the front, front front to change this industry in consumer direct uh, when people didn't uh, believe that it's possible to buy a bike online. So we we made the pass for many of our followers and we are still the leader in this uh, kind of industry. In the end, for me, it doesn't matter. Uh, we are not the enemy of the bike shops. We are part, in the in the beginning, some of the bike shops said, oh, this is our enemy. Uh, uh, we are part of the cycling industry and the whole industry has a shift and we just were at the forefront. And there are many reasons. There are many reasons uh, why it's right to buy a bike direct from the manufacturer because you have a closer contract, because you have some price advantage and all the other things. But there are also many reasons why it's good to have a local uh, shop that can service your bikes. And I see the whole industry is changing and the industry is changing that everybody helps each other here. So we bring business also to the local shops because in general, because there is a big trend to internet, to digitalization, so they have less people working in in their shop. Uh, if people comes with our bike into their shop, this is also frequency in their shop, brings a customer into their shop, and they can service it, so it also can bring them extra business. And you see many different things. You see some big shops, you see online retailer, which still growing very fast. Then you see big big shops with a big, huge selection. They also find their way to survive. And then you see smaller shops 
who are very specialized in service. So I think there is room for all of them uh, and they will interact with each other and then make the whole cycling uh, movement uh, better in the future. And yes, there might be also uh, stores uh, from Canyon in the future, but it's more like a flagship shore to show our thing. Yeah, in Germany, we say something like Handel is Wandel. It's a German saying. And if you would translate it into English, it would say business always has to change uh, or change is an essential thing of uh, business. Yes, of course, we also have to adapt uh, to new trends. Uh, but we think what we choose direct to the consumer, this is also the way you will see from Kenyan. And in the future, we will also find uh, ways to serve our customer even better. Better. This might be with some of our own shops, but this also might be of corporations with affiliate dealers who also have other brands. Uh, this might be through networks like bikerepair.com. Yeah. So I was shown yesterday... Your, your guys showed me your new electric bikes, uh, but then they also showed me, of course, they, they took the laptop and they then showed me the concept car. Uh, so wh where do you see the concept car in, say, two years' time? So you you bring the first one out. Where, where do you see it developing? Is the concept car the right world? Uh, or we only call it car? Uh, what defines a car? Uh, Uh, but let's say the right word is concept car, but we also could say concept bicycle uh, or, or concept mobility or whatever. We did this because uh, you were in Koblenz and I would say uh, what makes us go every day to work is because we love bicycles. Uh, and when we develop this bike, uh, also we, on, we are a big company now or medium-sized company now so we also have to do turnover and have to make some money but the good thing is I still think our very first idea is oh how we can make our life as a cyclist better how we can going out with new uh, and you see a general shift uh, in the whole society people don't want to go with cars anymore they don't want they want to fly less uh, all these uh, things to more sustainability Uh, but sometimes if you go with a car and if you go for 10 miles and it's raining, yeah, you feel, hmm, maybe I t today better should take my car. Uh, uh, or if you have to do some grocery shopping, put something in. And this was the idea behind uh, this concept thing that we say, okay, now with, an, with the possibility of an e-motor, we can make a very light uh, protected bike uh, from the outside uh, where we can be very sustainable in moving from A to B, maybe also bring our small kid to the kindergarten and do some grocery uh, shopping. This was the very idea behind it. And then I allowed my people to work on this idea. We are already in a stage that we are in discussion with a car manufacturer that we say, okay, is it possible to uh, cooperate with him on the chassis? I cannot say in three years you will see this car, but our goal is uh, to do something like this in the future because we think it's a 
good part of the mobility uh, shift in the future because you need something what is far lighter uh, with less, less energy consumption but you need it a little bit more comfortable than uh, today yeah so adam opal in the 19th century so 1890s um he was a bicyclist his sons were all bicyclists it was a opal was a bicycling company opal very quickly became not a bicycling company it became an automobile company so the trajectory of lots of bicycle companies in the in the 19th century were start with bicycles and they all many of them evolved into car companies so that's not it's not a crazy idea to think of that maybe in 20 30 years time canyon is canyon cars not canyon bicycles is that a crazy idea or is that it's it's not a crazy idea but i would not call it canyon will be canyon cars canyon bicycles will be also always canyon bicycles because this is what we think is the future uh, and but i would say it otherwise canyon will produce bicycles also in the future which can substitute cars and some way also leaned some things from what we think today as a car uh, but i totally believe from inside car for sure for sure will be not the mobility concept on short distance in the future i would say uh, and if i would be very pro poor uh, if i want to polarize also i would say the ch- the century of the car was the 20th century now we are next stage the car will not be the future mobility the car will have a place in future mobility and the reason why adam opel changed to cars is because there was a whole shift from horse to bicycle to car and i think uh, also car companies has to shift uh, and has to see on different kind of mobility i will, will not say there will be no suvs there also is a purpose for suvs uh, if you have a big family if you want to go to holiday and this but i believe pretty much it will be not uh, the same like it was before when i talked to the german magazine here i thought i have to shame when i see how much money politics spent for the next generation of autobahn and this and then compare how less money they spent to make the car more uh, bicycle friendly and it's not because i'm from the bicycle industry it's just because uh, every day in the traffic jam it's obvious that this cannot be our future so you went into america in 2017 i think it, it took you a long time I mean, it took you two years, three years to actually get the structure right for America. So was the structure correct? Was it waiting that long? Did that, was that the correct thing to do? Uh, if, if I would answer this in American language, I would say, yes, yes, we did it. Yes, we did it and we did it right. Uh, actually, it took us far longer. I, it always was my goal that Canyon should be a global company and global uh, without United States is not really global. <laughs> so uh, 
So therefore, we were very hesitating. So for us, it was somehow easy to serve Europe from uh, also our infrastructure we have here. Uh, but there's not too many German companies who made it in the U.S. So therefore, we, we really prepared very well for it. And if I three years later, I have to say, yes, we made it. We even made it in the U.S. Uh, and maybe Frank Sinatra says, if you can make it in New York, you can make it everywhere. <laughs> so how, how big uh, a segment of your company is America? Yeah, it's already close to 15%, 15% already. And we have a steep growth rate in the U.S. And what we can see from in the U.S., they have NPD data. Uh, so when uh, we see the NPD data, that we already uh, recognizable force in the U.S. for road bikes. And as well, people noticed that we are selling also mountain bikes uh, in the Yes, and I would say in this short time, for only three years, we are quite successful in the U.S. <clears throat> and it seems that people like our German engineering in combination with the direct-to-consumer. Uh, yeah, so I'm quite happy what we achieved in the United States. Thanks to today's guests, Sebastian Wegeley, Jack Noy and Roman Arnold. The video version of half of today's show can be found on YouTube and has been embedded on our website at thespokesman.com, which of course is the-spokesman.com. That's also where you'll find show notes and plenty of other information. The next episode is an interview with psychologist and record-breaking endurance cyclist Ian Walker. That'll be out at the weekend. But meanwhile, get out there and ride.